where it starts or just that's fucking sick yeah how good is that yeah so there's some pretty funny cool stuff lots of like little gimmicky things like there's a weak big box with like crag lounge on it <laughs> are you a nerd for that kind of stuff uh like i think i think this is really awesome would i yeah. have this in my room Probably not. Grown, i think i've grown up now 10 years ago yeah 10 years ago <laughs> how have you been anyway man it's been yeah, a while good. yeah so you, you, i can see you're a fan of the uh techno uh tickford there yeah, I didn't have any HR, um, HRT triple eight stuff, so I thought I'd still yeah. have the rocker rocker supercar shirt for the for the pod. But I, I wore a plain <laughs> t-shirt out of respect, mate. So I, I, I respect, I respect. So I'm, I'm not wearing any allegiances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm pro- I'm professional. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Please, please. I'm the one that wrote all the questions, mate. <laughs> how long anyway. How long have you guys been doing the podcast for? Uh, yeah. literally since the Russian Grand Prix last year. So oh, yeah. we, um, we, mate, when we were watching the races, we had like a group chat going on Yeah, and it used to just get annoying, like fucking trying to watch the race and then you're chatting to everyone at the same time. And then, um, we just, one of my mates just said, dude, let's just start a podcast like for 2022. And I said, nah, I said, if you're going to start one, like you need to put the effort into it. Like me and Joe tried to start one a couple of years ago and it just fizzled because i I flaked on it. Yeah. And then he came back to me a week later and said, no, I want to start a podcast. I said, all right, let's start next week after the Grand Prix. So that way, by the time we hit 2022, we've had a bit of practice. And then we literally just started like after that race and we've done 20 episodes now. So it's going slow, but. um, And so is it like, is every episode an interview? No. So some of them are just like race reviews. So we've been reviewing Formula One, supercars and uh, MotoGP as well. But then oh, yeah. we've got we've had a few interviews with um, Joey Mawson, the S five thousand driver, um, Aaron Cameron, and then we um, we had an interview with a um, Moto GP or Moto three um, team director. But then he flaked on us just before Christmas as well. So, oh, okay. um, so yeah, we're just trying to do a bit of both. Anything to really just put up more content. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay that's pretty and is that like are you trying to aim for that is that going to be like a full-time thing for you guys or is this oh, obviously I, just a side hustle and yeah we just like it like we're, we're spending money on it to be honest with you just like to get the um to get like people aware of it like the other bloke that um is part of it my mate from work he has ambitions of making it like a full-time thing but i don't know the reality is you're gonna have to work pretty hard for it and we just like yeah. doing it because because we talk anyway yeah, yeah, exactly. It might not be for another five years or something before you get the, um, at, the fan at base. Least, or, at least. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Now, you might have Jamie Wincup to job by the time we, we make some money on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like we're not, we're not, we don't have really any expectations, to be honest with you. We just enjoy it. We like putting it up. And it's, well, that's, that's yeah, the that's right it. way to go about it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. And it's been working so far. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So let's uh, let's jump into it because we don't want to waste too much of your time. Okay. Um, but Mr. James Shiveris, junior yep. design engineer for Triple Eight Engineering. Yeah. And I'm going to come back to that point in a second. But just to begin with, like, let's start from the very beginning. What's your story with supercars? I mean, how long you've been interested? Um, how did you get into that position? How did you get, you know, really incorporated with the most productive company in, in the sport? And in yeah. Do you want the long story or the short story? Give us a long story if you've got time. 
Oh, okay. Well, like, I, I've always kind of liked motorsport, like, you know, watching Bathurst, and I was always a big HRT fan, like the Mark Scave car, like the Golden Child, that sort of thing. Like, that was, like, on my wall as a kid. Um, so I've always fancied it. But I actually didn't think that there was there was a lot, so much involved in it, to be honest. So I, um, in high school, I liked maths and physics, so I kind of put that put those two together and worked out that engineering is a good career where you're utilising those two fields. Um, so I started doing engineering and I, I didn't really have any interest in, I didn't know what I wanted to do within engineering. So I started with mechanical, um, but then like, you know, as I was, got towards like my third year, I was like, okay, I need to start getting work experience and that sort of thing. And I didn't really have any specific interest like I was applying I used to apply for internships at SpaceX for example but they uh, they wouldn't allow that because um you have to have a, at least a citizenship or some sort of um yeah some sort of citizenship or something like that but you went stateside didn't you for a little bit stateside did you go, did you go to the states for a little bit yeah I did yeah okay. so there's that's that's one thing so I started at I started when Sydney I started in Um, sorry, Western Sydney University. And that was, yeah, that was my Bachelor of Engineering. And then part of that degree, I I got an opportunity to go overseas and I studied at Sacramento, um, California State University. So that was was an awesome experience in itself. Um, And that was actually part of my degree. So like three of the classes that I did there were engineering subjects and then one was just a a carry-on. So yeah, did that. but yeah, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I was, I was like interested in rockets and just lo- lots of cool things that most blokes would be interested in. Uh, so I, I didn't really know what to do. And so I just applied for lots of different things. And then someone at my mum's work actually said to me, hey, James, there's this really cool uh, international, I suppose international like tour, is it what you might call it. It's educational based. So what it was, was it's called REA, um, Re-engineering Australia STEM World Tour, Science, Technology, Engineering, Mathematics. Hmm. So it was a world tour where they took us through America and Europe, and we got to visit like some of the coolest engineering companies in the world. Like we went to Boeing in Seattle, and we went to Google in in um, in America. Uh, we went to Detroit and saw the Ford factories there. We went to the UK and saw Williams F1. So it was like a tour where we got to see like some pretty cool like aviation, motorsports, manufacturing, software, like just as a, as an engineer, like this is like, this is ridiculous. And I couldn't like believe a, that I, I snabbed up that opportunity. It was like a crash course for what you can do with your degree kind of thing. Yeah. So you know how you've got like a high school, the, um, the career day or whatever you go to university yeah. and you can like there's all the little stalls well this is like the big version of that yeah world's most expensive career day <laughs> yeah. yeah it was probably about i don't know it's pretty expensive i think it's like oh it was in it was, it was in the thousands like it could have been between five and ten thousand for the whole trip yeah but luckily i got my university to pay for half of it because it was educational yeah. so it was considered as educational traveling so um, yeah, I really took advantage of that and then, and then yeah, went, went and did it. Um, and so that was during while I was studying and I went, walked into Williams F1. Um, I actually got to meet Frank William too before, obviously before he passed. So I oh, saw wait. him there um, as we were just walking around the campus and 
was just standing there with some guy and I looked over and I was like, oh dude, that's that's him. Like that's that's Frank William. And I don't no one no one else noticed. And then yeah. I mate, he wasn't but, standing there, he was sitting there. Yeah, he was sitting there, sorry. <laughs> um and then I looked over and I was like, I've got to take up this opportunity. I just ran over to him and I thought I was some sort of like terrorist. <laughs> what the hell is this kid gonna do? Right? And so the guy like standing next to him sort of like tensed up a little bit, but I was just like, you know, shook his hand. I was like, look, I just wanted to say hello and it's lovely to meet you and whatever. I just appreciate yeah. Yeah. what he's done. Um, but yeah, that 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 day there was probably the turning point for me because I walked into like, you know, the factory and what they do there. And I was like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do now. Like my, I set my eyes on motorsport and particularly F1, but um, at the same time I was, I was open to anything. So that was like, from then on, it was like I started applying for jobs, jobs in F1. And, and I did actually also apply for like a work experience here at AAA. Mm. Um, but that was also like at the time they just didn't do anything. So I kind of just got rejected. Like, yeah, sorry, we don't do anything like work experience wise or whatever. And I think that's just because they probably get like hundreds of applications of people yeah. inquiring, can I do work experience? Like I remember like it, throughout the time that I've been here, um, I've had like a few people that I've ran into where they've come up the stairs and handed in their resume and said, oh, could you pass this along? So I really, I really admire that because they're, they're just putting themselves out there because you're the one that, they're the ones that are going to stand out. But yeah, it's, it's quite a, um, it's like a congested field. A lot yeah, of people. Very want. niche, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it's, it's, a, it's an industry where you really got to either already be involved in it or know someone. Yeah. To did, some degree. You know, you got to be. Sorry, keep going, man. That's all right. Yeah, you got to be um, either doing something in a, in a different field and have some sort of experience or just be lucky enough to be friends with someone or word of mouth um, or just the right opportunity that might be presented to you. Like you might be able to get through the front door if there's something and you happen to tick all the boxes. But I think most of the time it's through word of mouth and connections and that sort of thing. So I um I just I just kept applying for different places and doing different things. And it wasn't till I um I actually the person who built my mum and dad's house, uh I went and saw him for I don't know if I should tell you the full story, but I wanted to get I wanted to get a dog. <laughs> And uh, mum was like, well, we need to get a front gate. So I designed the front gate for, the, for our house because, yeah, we, it's been like three years in this new house and we didn't have a front gate. So I was like, well, all right, I'll design a gate and then we'll get it, get it built. So I went to the builder and said, look, have you got any people that can contract, we can contract and build this gate? And then the builder, he's, he's a really interesting character. He didn't have any interest in in what I had to show him. He just wanted to chat with me and just see how I am. He's like, hey, what are you doing? You know, I was like, oh doing you know, engineering and stuff and because what do you want to, what do you want to get to i was like oh i like motorsport he goes oh okay and then he just said to me oh would supercars help you i said oh yeah why why do you ask and he goes oh only my secretary um she's cousins with david couchy and i was like oh, get, like, get <laughs> it's not yeah. like are you serious yeah and i was like oh, what so then i was like oh okay I get, I get, I had like these little business cards I used to hand out. I actually, I actually made them for that. 
for that Europe trip. So I, was, I just figured, like, you know, if I'm going around to all these companies, I made this, like, stainless steel, like, business cards that were have my name on it and email and LinkedIn and all that sort of stuff just to, like, get them to remember me. So I gave her, like, a handful of those and said, I'll oh, just pass this along and give him my contact number or whatever. I'd love to have a chat with him. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she spoke to his father and then, and then he obviously spoke to him and then, yeah, I had his number, gave him a call, uh, and we just stayed in contact for about quite a while. It was months that we just stayed in contact trying to sort of work out because he was like, yeah, we, we can try and do something. And it just took, you know, a lot of persistence. And at one point I was like, oh, I don't think this is, this is going to work out. Because I was just trying to get some work experience or just get something to, like, you know, get my foot just in the door. Just a foot in the door, yeah. Yeah, anything. Um, but luckily, so my dad, obviously, I don't know if you guys know, he does top fuel drive, like drag racing. Um, Definitely know now. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Probably know now because he's a bit more well-known in, in this world. <laughs> um, so we were, I think we were testing one weekend. And so I just texted um, Couchy and said, look, like, I'm going to be up here in Queensland. Like, let me know if we can meet up or something. And he goes, yeah, yeah, all right. So let me know what days. So I text him, yeah, these are the days. You know, Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm free or Sunday afternoon if you want to, if I can swing. I think it was Monday. It was probably Monday. I don't think he would have been at work on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, Monday afternoon, I was flying home and I was just waiting for him to text me back saying, yeah, come at this time or whatever. So Monday afternoon rolls around and it's getting pretty close to departure. And I was like, look, I'll delay the flight. I'll change the flight, whatever. Like, just let me know. And I was still waiting for him and I didn't find out. So I was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> Are you serious? So I got on the plane and flew back down to back down to Sydney. Actually, no, scratch that. It was in the morning, not the afternoon. Yeah. So I get, I get to Sydney and then I turn my phone back on and he texts me going, hey, mate, he's still around. Like, when can, do you want to come around to the shop? And I was like, you're kidding me. Like, he couldn't have done this, like, yesterday when I texted you. <laughs> you knew I was leaving anyway. So <laughs> I was like, what am I going to do? And, and mum was like, just go back. I was like, you serious? She goes, yeah. And dad was like, oh, I don't know. You're going to spend 500 bucks on a return ticket, like, just to <laughs> meet with someone for five minutes. Like, that's a lot of money just to meet with someone. So I was like, well, oh, I don't know. This is, this is. This is one of those times I just, I knew to myself, I was like, this is one of those times where you just got to do it. You yeah, just got to yeah. take the risk and just, so I just flew back. I just, as soon as I walked out the, the gate, I went straight to the reception or whatever you call it and bought myself a ticket and flew back to Brisbane. And I texted him, I said, oh yeah, I'll be there this afternoon. He goes, oh, what time? I was like, oh yeah, maybe like four o'clock. He goes, oh, you can't come any earlier? And I was like, exactly. mate, I'm, I'm trying. I'll be there as soon as I can. I promise you that because <laughs> I didn't tell him. That and I was you, flew back. you flew back. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, nah, I didn't want to tell him because I didn't want him to go, oh, yeah, we'll schedule it for another time. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. then another time will be like another three months later. So I was yeah. like, no, nah, it's got to be now. Let's just when do did, it. When did you tell him? I told him like like year, probably about a year or so, a couple of years later when I actually was working here. So he did, they had no idea that I did that. <laughs> yeah. so I, just, I, just, I just turned up and had my backpack on and just pretended like I'd been up here the whole time. <laughs> Not that I've been, I've been on planes for half the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, then how long so, till you got the job? Well, so that, was, that wasn't even like an interview or anything. I was just like to see the, like a tour of the place. Yeah. So I, I saw the place and I walked in the building. I was like, 
oh my god like you walk in the front door and up the stairs and there's just trophies everywhere like it's unbelievable it should be a crime because they've stolen all the trophies from everyone else or something there's that many trophies <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was, I was just blown away i was just like this is this is the coolest place i've, I've probably seen in australia like at least you know yeah. um and so i was like right that's it like i'm getting a job here i've got to I'll, whatever i have to do like i was i was really set on it um i'll clean toilets for you just get let me in <laughs> yeah exactly i'll sweep the floor whatever you want me to do just let me in can i, can so, I cut you well, off for a second point, sorry just for going. a second that feeling of walking into the factory and seeing all the trophies like that awesome feeling like of seeing yeah. it for the first time yeah do you still get that now when you walk into the building you gotta you gotta pay attention to it because okay. it's it just easily becomes like everything else on the walls, you know. You just don't yeah. notice it. Yeah. Um, okay. And also, like at this point now, like we're so focused. I'm just so focused on the job and just getting the work done that you just yeah. you walk in there. You, you already your mind as soon as you walk in the building, your mind turns on and you're already thinking about what you're doing yesterday and what you got to do today and where yeah. this is at and you know that sort of thing. So you can quite easily forget like the history behind like in the within the walls of this building yeah yeah and also just like the magnitude of like you know what we do here and and i yeah sometimes you gotta remember like my reaction back then because yeah it can can quite easily um like sort of you sort of forget that appreciation or you, you, that gratitude or whatever it might be you know i'm trying, trying to say here yeah, I get uh, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose it'd be, I suppose it's even similar for like just as a fan. Like I went, for, I used to follow, I, I follow Walkinshaw because I used to follow the Holden racing team. Yeah. And, and once upon a time, getting wins was, was what you did on Sunday, you know what I mean? And you just got used to it. And yeah. then after about a six year drought of no wins because oh, yeah. Triple Eight, Triple Eight came along and started swallowing them up. Yeah. Every, like I think it was, it would have been about four years and I had, I had a, a win on my wedding day and I was spewing so I didn't get to watch it. I was Australian like, man, they, they had to win on my wedding day. I didn't even get to watch the race. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, it's the, it's the start of new things. Like we're going to get a, an, uh, a win sometime this year. And then it was another three years till another one. I was like, damn it. Like this, I understand what it feels to go for, like um, to be a fan of a struggling team. Um, yeah. But I mean, for you, it's probably like the opposite. Like um, what is it between Wind Cup and Lowndes? There's probably nearly 270 wins, and then Giz has got another 50, I think. So we got 300 and something wins. Yeah, it's that's pro, it, yeah. It's, I was there for the 300th win. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, the, the numbers are staggering. Like, but I mean, like, for like that's that's like your bread and butter. Like, if you're not winning, like if you, if Triple Eight as a team isn't winning, like something's not right. Like, winning is their norm. You know what I mean? Yeah. that's what they've set yeah. themselves. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable that you can, they've been able to just maintain that for so long too. Like yeah. everyone, everyone goes through changes in staff and drivers and, and, you know, different eras of like car manufacturers and that sort of thing. And to, to, to be still dominant through, throughout, you know, the last decade of, of racing, it's, it's pretty impressive. And they and they did most of it not as a factory team. That's that's the part that I think people forget. Yeah. Like when they started, they were they were a privateer and and they pretty yeah. much got lost their Ford backing and then they went to Holden because of yeah. uh, Ford cutting their 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 costs and then they were so good that 
they cut um, HRTs hold them. Oh, they yeah, we you. knocked them off their perch. They, <laughs> well, they were doing nothing, mate. They won a sand down and they were good at Bathurst and Eclipse over you, and that was about it. Yeah. So why wouldn't you give it to Triple A? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, too, I think, like, especially our engineering capabilities, that's, like, over the years, that's stepped up massively. And so um, as a, as a, well, for, especially for the ZB Commodore, like, we're the, we're the homologation team. So we were really like the brains trust behind it and obviously the part supplier for all the body work and a lot of the, a lot of the hardware underneath that. So it's, I think that's probably a lot got, got to do with a lot of it as well. Is just like yeah. how much, how much investment we have in, in the engineering and science behind everything. Um, Will you guys be the same for the Camaros next year as well? In terms of providing like, yeah, provide. Yeah. Um, that- I'm not. I'm not actually too sure to be honest. I think because I think the way it's been working, I don't know if I'm, yeah. Hopefully, I don't say the wrong thing here. But we've been contracting to the supercars okay. in a way. So we, our, our yeah. engineering yeah. services we're providing to them. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that means that they own the like the the rights to everything. IP. Yeah. 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 Is it because am I right to say that even your um is it your engine builder that's that's doing all the um. Chevy engines now, just like um, the Mustangs, is all with um, uh, Dick, Dick, Dick Johnson's uh, engine builder. Is it like? Yes, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. So we we work with KRE Race Engineering, so then they work with um, Haltech. So Haltech. Did you say? Is it Haltech? Hall, yeah, I think that might be it. Or, or is it Most Most Tech? Maybe one of those. Yeah, Most Tech. Yeah, Most Tech Racing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, so, and so yeah, he will be like KRE will be the supplier for all of the. There'll be only two suppliers: one for Ford, yeah. one for Holden. And yeah. then obviously, if there's a third manufacturer that comes in, then they might have a third one. Yeah. So, for you on a daily basis, like you, you're a junior design engineer. What does your job entail every day? Um. You know, right now, obviously, we have like a lot of work going on with the Gen Three design. So yeah. my work. Yeah, it's pretty much like I'd say ninety nine percent of the time now is just designing and drawing parts yep. for all the changes that are going on with Gen three. So, um, like as we speak, we're working on um, the shifter modification. So trying to fit and uh, package the shifter and the ARB adjusters into the car because originally we're trying to um, go for the paddle shift and, yeah. and have electronic roll bars and that sort of thing. So yeah, as a vote by supercars and the board and the committee and you know fans response and that sort of thing they decided to change that and they said look we want to stick with the with this you know classic stick shift uh and so yeah we've got to like adjust everything and move everything around and make new parts and it's a big process so yeah we're redesigning that we're adjusting things to make sure the ergonomics are correct in the car so that means adjusting the chassis and it's all like tight deadlines because we still need to make sure that we we you know, test this prototype continually, like once we make all these changes and then also start producing cars for next year. Yeah. So, you know, it's and only February, but there's not a lot of time to get get all that done. Like, I don't think. I was thinking, you know, with with the development of, of like the Gen 3, right? Triple Eight, they've got their race team that they're working on. Well, you've got your race team. You, you're still supplying parts for all the other teams this year, and then you're yep. developing the Gen 3 car. Did you have to yep. expand the workforce at all, or it's just people are you know, having to work that much harder to get it all done? 
Uh, yeah, this year we've expanded quite a lot, like especially uh, now that we're also the distributor for all of AMG in Australia. So oh, yeah. all the G- yeah, so we we have we're now the, the licensed distributor for AMG in Australia, just for all the parts for the GT cars. Um, yeah, we we run like one or two maybe GT three. Yeah, yeah. Run the, you run what Prince Jaffa's car in the Asian what is it Asian? Yeah, that's Grand right. Championship. Yeah. Yeah, so we do that as well. So we've had like you know uh, people expand in that sort of area. Um, so yeah, more. There's been a lot of new data engineers and design engineers, and what else we've had. Um, you know, and also we've actually put on another student too, who's also working with the robotics side of things. So we recently purchased like a robotic welder to. We want to try and um, like do, do mass manufacturing using robots, robotic yeah. technology for the chassis now. Um, Did you think- make him fly up from Sydney twice to get the job? No, I don't think so. And I don't think that's very fair to be honest. I think that should be the standard for now. All right, I've got another I've got another prying question. No, let, let, let me let me ask him a question quickly because you keep cutting to me off. Right. Um, with um with now this Gen 3 um, car that's coming through, you're saying yep. you're designing like the the um, placement for the gear shifter and all that stuff into the car. Will yep. that be so what will will your design be in the place of like every car on the grid next year or will teams still have the ability to sort of change stuff up in terms of like like because at the moment what is it most teams still have very like different cockpit layouts and stuff will that yeah. be the same next year or will it all be uh cookie cutter kind of stuff? well yeah so this this year sorry next year with the gen 3 it's going to be very uh much more closely homologated like there's okay, a lot yeah. of there's, once the car is fully designed, there's really not going to be a lot more work for us once it's completed okay. because it's it's um yeah we, we don't want things to be changing so often because it's all about cost cutting. So yeah. we want we want the sport to be much more financially like feasible. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, trying to re- reduce all those costs as part of the the core of the Gen Three platform is yeah cost cutting. So. Um, with all that justice stuff, yeah, I think um, I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll be the same across like all manufacturers yeah. uh, and it will just have full adjustability. So like as a driver, they should have full ergonomic adjustability for what they need, but it'll be the same bracketry hardware and, and system setup and sensors and, um, you know, like all it'll that. Be, it will literally be very much like buying a GT3 car, like out of the box, it's pretty much set up. Um, how it is and then um, you sort of change your um, dials and setup but in terms of like what you buy it's pretty much ready to go right yeah I suppose so like there, there's still a fair few key differences between the GT3 like you have to remember these are cars that are built from ground up they're not just yeah. a road car converted to a race car yeah like that's like with our Mercedes it's it's all road car parts and it's all bought from Mercedes themselves okay. whereas this is all built from the ground up so there's there's a lot more ele- uh, elements of uh, racing put into it in terms of like rebuilding and um, the way it goes together, how fast you can build it and repair it and how cost effective it is. Like one of the biggest changes in Gen 3 that we have is the ability to take the front and rear clips off or the sub- front and rear subframe. So you can essentially yeah. pull the whole front subframe off if you have an impact or crash. 
yeah. and stub, stick a new one on theoretically um, and, and go racing again. It should be a, a faster turnaround time and hopefully more cost effective too because it's a, it's a um, sacrificial part in itself. And I suppose if you like, that's really like if you have a crash at Bathurst on the Saturday, you're not out of the race. That's like right. If, you're, yeah. if your frame whereas, is then. Yeah. Whereas if you were racing a GT car, that's it. You, that's yeah. your, that's your day done. Okay. So yeah, like I think that's what you got to sort of remember here is like those road cars, they're built not to have like, they're built for not for racing. Well, yeah. They're built for, for gentleman racing. Right. Yeah. They're not, yeah, they're not built to sort of having sustaining a big impact and then you're getting it ready for the next day. Like that's, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that or not, but these cars, you know, they're, they're designed for that sort of thing. So if you suffer an impact the next morning, you, the boys late at night can get the job done to go racing back again. And that and and was that idea like at the core of the whole like when Gen when the ideas of Gen three came through? I'm guessing that was really yeah. at the start of it. Like we wanted yeah. to be able to pull it apart quick. Yeah. Quick. Yeah. Oh, that's really yeah. interesting. So it's pretty cool because now the chassis is sort of split up into three three major components: your centre section and then your front and your rear. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's kind of cool seeing how like everything then attaches to those those sub assemblies and um, how it all goes together using like a little um, like cone housing system. So there's like six yeah. like key points that the, the car goes onto. Yeah. So, yeah, that so was each, that's all from the start. So will each team be able to 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 um build like will, will they be able to build like their their parts themselves after that, or will that all come through you or a third a third party like um, supplier? Um, yeah, the, uh, to be honest, I'm not sure about that not one. Sure? I, I'm pretty sure that um, I, I don't think we're going to be just the ones making all the parts. Okay, yeah, because that'd be yeah, a big I, job. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think so. I, I I think I'd like to think that we hopefully will end up making most of the chassis. At yeah. least for the Holdens, yeah. The Chevy's, mate. Come on, mate. Chevy. Yeah. <laughs> just don't want. I just don't want to stop saying Holden. I miss it. <laughs> um. Yeah. Especially with our investment too, in terms of the manufacturing facilities that we have now. So we want to utilize those as much as possible. So, um, I think it'd be a big dilemma if we weren't making a lot of chassis. But in terms of yeah, the rest of the parts, I think that's all. Not really sure to be honest. It's up in the air. I think I think you might they might be able to do something like what they've done in the past, where you sort of bidded for contracts to supply for the rest of the teams. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like in the past and currently with ZB stuff, we we really supply like a bulk, big bulk of of the hardware to people. James, what like I think what we're seeing with supercars is pretty similar to what we're seeing in a lot of other motorsport around the world right now with like the cost cutting measures. And yep. we've obviously just seen that implemented in Formula One this year. And some of the, I don't know, some of the talking around Formula One has been with essentially cars becoming, I don't know if simpler is the word, but um, essentially yep. trying to make them more affordable and cheaper. People are saying a manufacturer is going to kind of put some of their resources into other racing categories, like, you know, Ferrari are going to, Le Mans now with with hypercar with supercars kind of taking a similar approach and the cost cutting measures will there be most likely a reallocation of staff potentially to other projects just because you know the technology is getting simpler um, and, and it's kind of becoming a little bit less um, bespoke um yeah it's funny that whole concept is 
quite interesting because you, you can you can make the cars simpler in a way, but if you if you still got the resources and the and the cash to spend and you can't spend it directly, then you're going to mm. spend it indirectly. So, How like so? one example one example is like if if there's less sensors on the car, then you might not be looking at as much data, but you'll still be then investing a lot more time into simulating so you can try and work out what the mm. car is doing in, in these sort of scenarios yeah. just based off what you can, what, what data that you do have available. So you're sort of trying to compensate for a lack of a sensor or lack of, lack of live, live data. Um, yeah. And I can see that happening like in Formula One, like even though like, yeah, Ferrari will probably be investing in other sports and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, there might be cost caps and that sort of thing, but they're still going to, if there's money that they have there to spend, they'll spend it in other ways to make, to make use of it. And it'll be, it'll be just quite creative in terms of what they come up with. Um, I, this is like, even I remember hearing about how Mercedes, Mercedes F1 were developing their own microchips with Intel to, um, to speed up their simulation time. So if you have like an allocated simulation time that you can use for, for um, CFD, uh, they, they were developing faster processes so that way they could do it in faster time and then therefore they can simulate more. Yeah, well. So, so you know, like... Just money spent in different ways, but for the same things. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and also like they'll just be sneaky in terms of like spending it on other categories and then, you know, yeah. testing using that opportunity as an opportunity to test test new new components and uprights and sensors and whatever else so yeah that, that that'll you sort of see i think those i suppose for us we'll, we will still re retain like probably the same amount of staff it'll just be working on yeah like you said probably different projects um, especially for like designing like i said before once gen 3 gets designed um, we're going to have to start working on other things to for me to keep a job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to need I'm going to need to keep designing something because that's what I want to do. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's different avenues that are in the in the pipeworks at the moment. I'm probably not allowed to talk about it, but um, you, we're going to be trying to utilize all the new hardware that we have and manufacture things. So you need another um, COVID outbreak so you can make some more respirators. Yeah, more <laughs> ventilators and that sort of thing. One thing I thought was I really liked with um, Triple Eight was even when they um like you guys designed that whole V six engine for the supercars a couple of years yeah. back and it's even though it was never yeah even though it was never used like I really loved that um, well number one I loved how they put it in that Sandman because it sounded awesome like it was yeah, like, yeah. even though the consensus was people didn't want to go to that V six turbo like the whole um, I would have loved to see it like run just to see like how it would have worked in terms of parity and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, I suppose as a company, you've got that history of really sort of pushing the envelope with, with, with cool stuff like that. Like you're, um, I suppose it's, it's a lot of Red Bull teams around, like even the F1 team, like they do a lot of cool stuff like that as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I definitely think you guys will find something. I'm sure there's stuff in the pipeline really that, that you know about that you can't talk about anyway. Yeah, and we're going to have to do that, like, to be honest, just to just, um, like, you have to, as a business, like, this is, beside motorsport put aside, any business has to keep chasing up new work and, and yeah. you're trying new things and, and continuing to develop. Like, if you just stick to the one product and that's all you do and you quickly get eaten up by the, you know, com competition and that sort of thing. So as, 
as an engineering company and selling products, we will just continue to to make other things and sort of just you know push up push the boundaries of what we can do here and what we can make. I even read this week that um, the new owners of Williams said that Williams is now more of an engineering company than it is an F1 team, um, which I thought was really interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, which, yeah, especially suppose... the, the, their advanced engineering like sector. I think yeah. that's just since it started, it's just been growing and growing and yeah. growing. And, you know, yeah. it's pretty cool to see how that sort of technology that get, gets transferred into road cars and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I'm Very... sure they probably invest millions and millions into like all their um, hybrid technology. And, and I'm pretty sure that Williams are um, a lot of Formula uh, E work. Yeah, doing the Formula, uh, do yeah. all the Formula E battery work now, mm. isn't it? At yeah, least it was yeah. for Jaguar, but it might be for everyone now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I would, wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Yeah. James, I'm going to throw you another curveball. Slightly off tack now. Okay. Slightly different. So over the last couple of years, particularly the last 18 months, um, I mean, Triple Eight has changed in management structure quite dramatically. Yep. And when we look at the wall behind you, um, all of that development pretty much took place under, you know, Roland Dane, right? And his, his leadership now, I mean... Yep. He's kind of taking a little bit of a back seat now. Jamie Wincup's come into management. You've got Tony Quinn, is it, on board as a yep. As so a, he's a major shareholder. Yeah. So how has how, if or at all, has that changed? Um, and also, you've lost engine? a few people. Yeah, yeah, we've 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 lost a few key people as well, like David Couchy, the man who who brought me here. Major. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's got he's departed. Um, Wes, who was um, Jamie's engineer last year, he he stopped working for us for his own personal health reasons. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've had a few. There's been a, quite a few big shifts in structure and management and that sort of thing. Um, as in, for, it, for, with regards to Roland, like he's yeah, don't don't uh, don't doubt him. He's still in the background, um, believe it or not. And we've I've seen him around so. Um, he's still keeping a close eye on the company. And I, I would too, like, regardless of if you're going to retire or not, this is his baby and he's, he's raised it into the, to what it is today. And I'm sure he's going to want to keep an overwatch and, um, you know, come in and provide advice and, and that sort of thing. And, and there hasn't, in terms of like changes for work here, things haven't been drastically changed at the moment. I think Jamie's approach is to, um, you know, for the first year or so, just keep the business rolling as it is. You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it sort of thing. Yeah. And then and then, I suppose he's going to come in with a fresh set of eyes and go, okay, let's um, let's update this and let's, or we think we can do this better. So he's, he's just, yeah, he's going to provide a fresh set of eyes to hopefully um, just improve a few areas in the company. But right for now, it's, yeah, it's sort of running as business as usual as it was last year, like, the only difference is, yeah, Roland's not sitting in the in the big big seat. Do you know what you st- you know what actually excites me for the odd occasion when Roland wasn't at the race meeting? Yeah, um, there used to be hiccups that used to occur at times, like when the when the yeah. headmaster was away. So yeah. that was a good chance for all the other teams to kind of catch a break every now and then. So ho- I'm hoping <laughs> that in 2022 it comes a little bit more of a a little yeah, bit more yeah, of yeah. a common thing. But we'll see oh, what happens. I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited <laughs> for this season. I especially like with Walkinshaw stepping up the way that they have. Um, you know, Cameron Waters, he's he's just doing brilliantly at the moment. Like there's so there's so much competition yeah. going on. It's gonna be it's gonna be really, really good racing, I think. Yeah, I think like, just just quickly, does that um 
like the, does that what you just said motivate you guys to get to work like after a weekend like that knowing that you have like teams like walk control sort of finally woken up from their slumber and even like teams like Erebus who last year sort of took yeah. a massive step up even though they had two rookie drivers um like does that I mean I suppose you guys are professionals and you're coming to work to work, do your job no matter what but does that yeah. just sort of give you a bit more sort of um it's more personal I don't know. yeah just just a bit more drive because you know that these teams are sort of snapping at the heels a little bit yeah I suppose I suppose Beneath maybe more everything. for the, the yeah, race maybe team. beneath everything there's a little bit of that but you don't we don't I don't really see it to be honest yeah. Yeah. um it's and that's just because we it's like what drives us is, is the systems that we have in place yeah. so like regardless of if you've won and you got first and second in the race or you came last our approach to like analyzing and deconstructing the race and who did what what happened when and and why why this worked and why this didn't work is happens regardless so you, you that's i think that's part of like triple eight's success is their systems and how they how they go about um sort of yeah reviewing things and um like then work trying to work out you know what happened uh so i'm losing my thought here just yeah it's just in terms of like yeah, systems they were, in place. They were always the benchmark, like for, for all the little things, like they were always the benchmark, like even like just perfecting pit stops. They were like the first team to really do it professionally. And then I think um, even like um, when Jamie and, and, and uh, Craig were there together, they really got their like t the whole team orders thing down pat and you'd never really have sort of problems with cars running into each other. Um so like I suppose that was, in, in, that was until SP last year though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there was an incident in Tasmania nice, as well. Mate. I, I, there was an incident in Tasmania as well. Like um even stuff like uh like like just the way they even professionalized like race strategy. Like you, no matter where like no matter where they started on the grid, you always knew that they were gonna come up with the best strategy to maximize the um sort of their finishing position and yeah so you'd see sort of every other team sort of follow the same sort of race strategy and you think and then and then triple eight would throw this curveball and you'd be like how come like you're all professionals how come this is the only team who can who can work this shit out like it used to frustrate me like that i was like walk and draw, pull up, pull your heads out like just 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 copy their race strategy and you'll come <laughs> yeah. second, like third and fourth every week and just do something like yeah, that yeah 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 um yeah if you ask me like exactly why it's hard to really pinpoint what it is we're doing differently to everyone else or is it just the leadership you reckon like just the structures of leadership they've implemented yeah, I mean, like, and there's just some really good people here, like some really talented, smart people, like working under Jeremy Moore, who's our technical director, and he works for Porsche, um, LMP, and, you know, spearheaded that whole project. And, you know, they, they've won so many things there and so successful. So he, you know, he's come back on board and he's really driving, like, the whole, the technical um, direction of what we're doing and what, how much stuff we're investing in, what we're investing in. Um, and but yeah, like you know, we've still got him and obviously Mark, who's uh, like you know holding as leadership for everyone. Sort of, he's keeping us together. And um, yeah, so like there's, there's there's still a lot of a lot of pretty pretty amazing people that are still here. 
um, and all those processes are still here. So that's why I think they can, they sort of just build on top of that. And we also try to, I suppose, raise people from, from, from um, beginners to, to like our level Leaders, as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, like in terms of mechanics and stuff, like we've, we've seen mechanics come through that, like, you know, one person here, um, his name's Jordan, he, when he first stepped in, he had never worked on a race car at all in his life. And now he's the number one mechanic for um, Brock's car, Brock's yeah. car. So it's, and it, it, we sort of, yeah, we really try to invest in, in bringing up like staff um, to, to, our, to the triple eight way, I suppose. Um, and I think that that sort of really helps fuse like a certain culture and DNA into, to everyone. So everyone's on the same like wavelength whereas if you're pulling in too many people from outside well they might be smart but they're not really going to mesh as well yeah maybe not straight away you'd have and but also they probably might be stuck in their ways with certain things yeah well you know i've been doing this this way for 10 years at at x racing you know and and then they don't want to change their ways or they want to do things differently so it's hard to sort of get that cohesion yeah, like the um, New, New England Patriots of, of, of supercars. You, you let people go, but you don't bring many people in. Like everyone's from internal, which yeah. is, I yeah. suppose, the way to do it. Well, I mean, we got desperate, though. We needed a replacement for Couchy, so we brought Andrew Edwards on. <laughs> yeah, some, thing, some things just need to happen quickly. So yeah. um, and we've promoted within as well, like Martin Short. He's now race engineering with Brock again. Yeah. And that's yeah. really cool to see because they've started out as Super 2 and um oh hold on i'm just gonna yeah they started out as super two and then you know he was race engineering with him and now they've both stepped themselves up to to the top role so i, I yeah. just think that's really kind of cool that how they've managed to sort of fuse that relationship and just bring it upwards did he, like did he do, sorry did he do the um the bathurst race with brock as well last year yes yeah okay yeah i was yeah. i was so um impressed impressed with that with that with that whole weekend that he put together like like i am um, whenever a rookie comes in i'm always like i, I don't know if it's skeptical is the right word but you're always like waiting to see i think especially yeah. because i'd seen so much of like the hype around forward when he came into walk and draw and then it didn't really pan out for reasons so i was sort of like oh like we've seen so many drivers yeah. come in who were great into the twos and is it is it just because he's in triple eight gear with that professionalism. But my gosh, I, when, when I saw him at Bath, I was like, no, this kid, this kid's for real. Yeah. Um, like he's, he's, yeah, he was so poised and, and I, was, I was so disappointed to see him sort of, oh, sort of bin it right at the end. But like, you know, that even that's such a, a awesome learning curve for him. So like, get that out of the way in your, in, in, in your wildcard entry, because you'll learn so much for, Next Joseph. year, when you when you're in the main game, yeah, you're, you're, bab- yeah. you're babbling again. I'm not interviewing you. Let's finish sorry. on this good question. <laughs> no, freaking hell. all he does is I'm listening to him. He's babbling all the time. <laughs> Just a babbler, bro. Serial babbler. Hey, we're um, both babblers. I'm I'm gonna babble a lot. Yeah, too. but but we're interviewing you. I've got yeah. a question for you. Like this is a good way to finish. I mean, you've given us a lot of your time, but um, you started off by talking about your journey to obviously Triple Eight and to supercars, but yeah, now at at this stage in in your life etc what are your ambitions moving forward whether it be within the company uh within the sport or even a, do you have you know potentially eyes looking elsewhere in the future you know back to formula one or, or something yeah. like that um 
oh, anything, anything like in, like pretty impressive and any opportunity where I can continue growing and, and go forward. Like, I mean, like I can spend the next five to 10 years here and still continue to grow. But um, if something really cool, like an F1 opportunity would come up or something, something in overseas motorsport would show up, um, particularly on a design basis, mm-hmm. I would, I would definitely like consider that and like look at, be open to those sort of things. Um, but for right now, like uh, this year specifically, I've, I've had now had the opportunity to work full time doing design work. So last year I was sort of balancing design work, admin work, and also um, data engineering for Shane's car. So, and I sort of, I sort of enjoyed doing all of it, but at the same time, when it comes to just designing, I just love it. There's something about it that's just like, sort of fulfills like all of the things that I really enjoy, being able to be creative and design and see new things that you make come to life. It's pretty cool, like in this building, you design something and then a couple of hours later, someone from the uh, fabrication shop has, you know, laser cut it and folded it and just shown it to you and you're fitting it on the car. Yeah. Like there's something about that, which is, I just find that that is so cool. And, and seeing that like your bit go, like get bolted onto the car and then you see the race car go around the track with parts that you made. I get the biggest kick out of that. So I want to keep doing that for now and, and just learning the ropes. Cause there's a lot of really, really good designers uh, around me that I'm learning off. So I'm just as I'm just a sponge. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trying to trying to soak it all up. Uh, so a race engineer for premier hire or premier racing in the future, not so much on the cards then. Well I'm is, that a lot of da- is, that, is that a lot of data work, sorry? Like being a race engineer? Is that a lot of data analysis? Uh yeah, well yeah, you do, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, especially for like teams like yeah, my dad's now who's it'll be a smaller team so you're not going to have as many data engineers that are doing all the legwork for that sort of stuff yeah gotcha. so if you were a race engineer you'd probably be doing a fair chunk of data engineering as well just in terms of analysis and um post-race you know analysis and that sort of thing yeah. i um i wouldn't i'm not going to write it off because i still i still really did like doing like the data stuff too but it was at the time it was too much to try and do it all and as, as yeah. a beginner, like doing it, um, yeah, I just found like, I just like, look, I, I don't want to be the jack of all trades here. I'd like to just really have like something I'm quite specialized in and then and then expand and continue to like do try other things. So could happen, especially because it's my dad's team as well. Like yeah. I'm always going to have like soft spot for it and, and secretly want them to do really, really well and I mean, like anyone would like if it's your if it's your own your own dad who's yeah. like yeah. spearheading it. So, yeah, I, I, I'd like to think that maybe that could happen. But at the same time, I can also see myself leaving motorsport and also like exploring other engineering avenues as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I like about engineering too. Like you know, we you saw how we built the ventilator. Um, You're not pigeonholed. No, and like you know, it's 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 really the, the the science and engineering and the knowledge behind it. It's it's so transferable to to every other industry because it's it's just based on you know key fundamental principles of science and maths. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's why like it's it's really cool like how we sort of did show the role of like you know we can also do this at at the at the core of it. We're an engineering company. We're not we're not a racing company. We just happen to go racing. Yeah. 
so, no, that's so cool. That sounds that's, like a good way to end it. I think so. Well, um, we'll yeah, clip that, and you can put, and you can send it to all these career days when kids are asking what they want to do. You'll be like, become an engineer, <laughs> <laughs> build, build race cars and ventilators. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's, that was such a weird time in in my life, especially because like you know the whole world is locked down, and especially at the time Australia was just like yeah, really bolted down. There was no one working, and I lived in a share house at the time, and I. Every single day, I was I was leaving home and going to work because yeah. we were considered an essential service designing medical yeah. device. Yeah. Um, but it was also like the skeleton crew because there's yeah. only like you know ten people here at work where we've, normally we've got like fifty or so. Yeah. So it yeah. just felt so weird being. It was just you know the world was like quiet and in like a sleep sort of thing, and we're still like kicking away. But like, I don't how know, many ventilators did you sell? Or was that just a hoax to get people to think you're making ventilators, but you're still working on developing the car? <laughs> <laughs> they made one ventilator. <laughs> I, can, I can show you them if you want me to. <laughs> no, it's all right. It's all right. We believe you. I'm being, you. A, I'm being yeah, a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But James, mate, <laughs> thanks so much for your time. That was that was really good. Really, really good. And it's you know not easy staying up, staying back after work for another hour just to shoot this shit. So we really appreciate yeah. it, mate. No, all good. All good. I uh, appreciate that you guys. Um, you thought I was worthy enough of your podcast. Mate, Mate, that, that, of the podcast. that story of getting that job was worthy enough of any podcast, I reckon. Well, that's only half of it. You didn't even hear the rest of it. Well, we got we, you got to we got to get you at the end of the year to finish the story. Then, yeah, this okay, will be, all right. This will be James Skibberus part one. Yeah, okay. Right. We'll do part one, and then we'll do part two of. We hear the rest of it. <laughs> you're Once, in a season in. A, I was trying to move quick because Joseph said he's only got half an hour. You've got to get all your questions in. What has so, it been now? Has it been an hour? Oh, I think we've done yeah, an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh So goodness. I think I think part two will be James Shibaris season review, and we'll try to see if we can get Peter Shibaris on for a cameo season well, review, just to, just to tell us how Subway and Coca Cola performed for them in yeah. the whole season. <laughs> Yeah, yeah that'll be cool i'd like a maybe you could do father and son but he did it they did a good job bring your dad series. to work day yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway that was he awesome might. he was here today actually has he has he this is a serious question has he um like looked to you for any advice just with you know the development of the team and things like that processes uh... structures yeah, probably like there's probably been like little. I think usually he just sort of tells me what's going on, and then I sort of just like have a little. Like I just key in my own input about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think for him, he really just wants to get find the right people, and so he would throw names at me of people that are looking for jobs that are in this like world because it's quite a like a lot. We sort of once you sort of in this industry, you kind of know a lot of people. So he would sort of just throw names at me like, "What do you think of this person?" and "What do you think of that person?" um because it's yeah for him like for the last couple of weeks it's just been like trying to get people it, it's yeah. yeah and you know people are sort of half in, interested but they're also skeptical you know is this team going to be a bit of a flop is it going to be yeah. sorry to um cut you off quickly how much of the team is like x team sydney is there any x team sydney staff in there or oh, very little yeah, very so little. It, it oh, well. mostly a clean slate. Okay, um, that's but cool. he he retained a couple of people that were just you know he really really liked what they did and respected them and um I don't know just 
yeah, they had like for example, the the truck driver is still with us, and he's been with yeah. Techno since they they started racing a decade ago. So yeah, um, there's still some some people that are left, but it's really I think he really wants to sort of in, in trying to get rid of the stigma that Techno had at the end of yeah. like their life. Um, yeah. He wants to sort of wipe that away, and I think the people take those people away with it and start yeah. fresh. Just you start with a blank canvas. Well, I suppose as well, like the, there's a, there's a blueprint out there. Like you've seen, like teams like Team 18 come in, and even like Erebus, and they come in and they and like it's it's possible to do, to do the great yeah. job. It's just yeah, um, like what you're saying. Like you need to build that that environment from the start and not sort of have it polluted by people's sort of yeah. ways of thinking already. I'm pretty sure that Erebus even did that. So I think they were based in Queensland. Yeah. Years and years ago, and then so part of the way that they can sort of clean the slate is to relocate Back to, to Melbourne. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And is that why your dad moved? Like, is that part of the reason why they moved the operations to um, Queensland uh, as well, uh, or is that no, more just honest, to be close? He actually wanted to stay in Sydney. Oh, he wow. really wanted. Yeah, he really wanted to, and I think it would have been good if he could have. But um, yeah, look, to be honest, with every single other team being in Queensland and Melbourne, yeah. Um, Sorry, sorry. Um, that's where all the people are. So you got to yeah. go with it where there's people because it's too hard to find people in Sydney. He wasn't yeah. interested in Aubrey. Um, <laughs> I don't even know where that is, to be honest. <laughs> that's where BJR be, has their headquarters. He wants to be beating oh, Brad no, Jones no. racing, mate. Come on. <laughs> Oh, we're talking shit uh, about other people's teams. They're not going to get other people on. You might end up getting them on, on, on their podcast one day. Yeah, I know. For the wrong reasons. Like for the wrong reasons. And they were like, oh, remember shit. when you spoke to James about Aubrey? And they were like, we don't want to come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go then now, will I? <laughs> no, no, you're going you're gonna to move overseas, mate. Anyway. See what right, happens. That, that was so good. Thanks so much for your time, James. That's all right. No, that was we'll, awesome. We'll, we'll tee up a, we have to tee up the review, part two. Yeah, the review. We can do like a 2022 post review and like, the introduction how, of the Camaro, I suppose, at that point. Do, then, I'd like to start at how do you feel about Walkinshaw and Mostert winning the championship this uh, year? But, you know. Shut up, you dickhead. <laughs> Thank you very much, James. That was really good. Okay. Thanks, Thanks buddy. Have a good night. Take care. You too. See you, yeah, dude. Mate. See ya. Bye.